You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I am your host, Adam Miller. And through this series of listening to the the Psalms in our teaching for this month, we're also going to be talking with several of our artists who uh, bring in those songs to us each day and uh, bring us the encouragement that we need to start our days as well. And our guest today is Charles Billingsley. And uh, ironically enough, he will be our guest at our Lancaster Bible Conference uh, coming up in the end of October. So, Charles, thank you so much for being a part of our program. Oh, listen, Adam, I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. I want to get it started by telling us a little bit about uh, your music and how you got started in, in really not only recording, but also leading worship. Okay, well, I <laughs> I started kind of on accident, to be honest with you. I was uh, I was in high school, and a friend of mine overheard me goofing off during a worship service, singing some hymns, and uh, he leaned forward and he said, Hey, man, you can sing. Why don't you sing for our Sunday school class? Well, it was a big church, and our Sunday school class had 700 people in it, and I was like, No, no thanks. Well, the next week he comes up and brings me a... Uh, well, at that time, we used cassette tracks, you know. He brings me this cassette track, and he says, okay, you're on next week. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed, but I, I took it as kind of a dare, to be honest with you. Um, and so I I was, uh, I was got up there, and I did that, and, man, it just felt like the natural thing. And, and the Lord just sort of anointed that moment, and that was sort of the first time I had ever, ever done anything like that before. And so... Um, and so that was kind of what started this journey. And then I went off to college and, and was a religion and philosophy major and ended up being invited to do a, a conference up in Canada. And I'll never forget because I was really struggling with what I was called to do, but I was being asked to sing everywhere. And I really thought I was called to preach. And I'll never forget that moment, Adam, when, when the Lord spoke to me as I was singing a song and just said, Hey, you are called to preach, but I'm going to have you do it through four minutes uh, set to music. <laughs> and that was sort of the moment for me as a sophomore in college when I knew for sure what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and so ever since then, you know, it's really kind of that, that calling has determined the kind of songs I sing and the kind of songs I lead. I, I, I look and write songs that have a message to preach. And and uh, through the years, you know, I've just sort of morphed into a worship pastor and a worship leader. And now my greatest joy in life is is just leading the people of God into the presence of God and enjoying who He is. I love how you've uh, mentioned that it's a really a pastoral calling uh, to lead in worship because uh, so often, especially in our culture today, uh, worship is uh, usually deemed as something that anyone with a guitar can do. Uh, on a Sunday morning, but uh, you you are somebody who is very pastoral in the role of leading worship. How has that? Uh, how do you think that that's shaped your, your emphasis and your desire to uh, to shepherd your flock? Because I know that you are a, a worship pastor. Yeah, in fact, I was on the road for about twelve years. Just uh, you know, I was the lead singer of a group called New Song, and then I went solo for about eight years after that, and. You know, we just kind of blow into town and do my thing and then leave. But being now a worship pastor who also does about eight or nine dates a month still on the road, um, the balance of the two is wonderful because I get to see the growth process in my own people as they uh, expand their horizons, so to speak, in worship, you know. And that's a wonderful thing, but I also get to see them as they're growing in the Lord and as they're as they're learning these songs and as they're just 
blossoming as believers. And uh, then I get to go on the road and try new stuff as well. But I love being a worship pastor for several reasons. Number one, it's a lab for our new songs. We get to try these songs out with our people <laughs> to see if they really are going to respond and if they're really what we're, we were hoping they would be. But most of all, it's just an opportunity to see people grow personally and my mantra in my ministry has always been this, that worship is a lifestyle. It's not just singing songs. And so the role of a worship pastor, when you think about it, 98% of our time is not on the platform. It's off. And so I spend a great deal of my time during the week just dealing in the personal lives of our people, helping them to discover that worship truly is a lifestyle. It's not just singing a couple of songs on a screen on Sunday morning. As we're working our way through uh, the second book of the Psalms for this month, we are are seeing some very rich and deeply theological and very uh, therapeutic Psalms that are are really geared towards the heart of, of people. How have the Psalms helped you as a worship pastor, as well as somebody who is, is guiding and directing and writing songs? Have the, the Psalms shaped your understanding of worship and how to put that together? Oh, for sure. In fact... What I love about the Psalms is their authenticity and their honesty. I mean, and the ones written by David, the ones that are not written by David, what I love about the Psalms is that they're not just songs of praise. They're also songs of lament. They are songs of complaint. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of honesty in the Psalms, and I think it gives us a beautiful picture of what worship truly is. Worship is an honest approach to the Lord. It's an authentic relationship with Him that helps us grow each and every moment closer to Him. But you know, when you're with the people who are nearest to you, closest to you, like your family or whoever, that's who you're most real in front of. And I think a lot of times in our worship experience on Sunday mornings, we have this sort of this uh, facade or this this falsity about our approach to to the throne on Sunday morning because of we're worried about what other people think or because of whatever. But you know what? The closer you grow to Jesus, the more real you become before Him. And I think the Psalms are such a beautiful picture of that from all the writers who are just so honest before the Lord, you know, and in and, and looking even here at, at Psalm chapter, chapter two, it's just an honest cry out to God, asking him for his help and telling him that, you know, we're in distress, we're in deep displeasure, but you, my king, are on a hill called Mount Zion. And uh, it's always a reflection of where they are at, an honest reflection of where they are at, but it's also an honest reflection of who God is. And that's a beautiful thing about the book of Psalms, and it points us to what worship really is. Uh, what I love about the Psalms is that it has this uh, very strong reverence and awe, but it's also that boldness that you just talked about where mm-hmm. um, David is breaking into the courts of God with his heart and his appeal, his his plea, even his struggles, his frustrations, and mm-hmm. yet there's it doesn't diminish God's authority or God's uh, right. uh, presence in any way. It, it still has that reverence, but it has that, uh, that, that ability that we can come right to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, that's the, that's, you know, that book more than any other, I think, is, it gives us a clear picture of that. I mean, there, there are moments in Scripture elsewhere, of course, where there's authentic 
approaches to God and, and conversations with God, like I, I think of the book of Job and, and many others, you know, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But as a whole, the book of Psalms just sort of capsulates that in a lot of different varieties and a lot of different packages. And so it's, it, it's the, one of the most wonderful books in the Bible as far as learning how to worship. Uh, when you approach uh, the songs that you choose and the songs that you write and that you integrate into the services that you are are leading worship or a concert, like you'll be having at, at our event down in Lancaster, uh, what is it? Go- what is going into that time of preparation to pick those songs that will minister to the hearts of of those who are in attendance? Well, I always want to meet the crowd where they are and and take them from point A to point B in their worship experience. And so what really dictates the songs I'm going to use are two things. What is on my heart, first of all, what I believe the Lord is leading me to do, and then second of all, what's the culture in which I'm finding myself in? Um, you know, if, if, it's a, if it's a crowd of 70-year-olds plus, then my repertoire is going to be quite different than it would be here at Liberty University, you know? And so I uh, try to use wisdom and and you know, and, and godly counsel in those situations and try to meet the crowd where they are so that way we can communicate effectively. Because, you know, communication is not really what I say, it's what they hear. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that uh, as I approach a night like I will in October, that the material I'm using uh, communicates well with that crowd so that I can take them from one point in their worship experience to a whole other uh, experience that they've had with the Lord that night. That certainly is a, a pastoral approach to to worship, uh, uh, and I know that this is a real burden of your heart to really shepherding people into worship so that they are mm-hmm. um, they're guided into the presence of God. How do you um, how do you do that in your own heart, in your own life, with your own family? Is that something that is uh, really a, a a conscientious effort to maintain in your own personal life? Well, it certainly is. You know, I I. Uh... I have to realize every time I step on a platform that people are making the dangerous assumption that I live what I believe and that I know what I'm talking about and that I really do honestly believe this stuff, you know? And so in order to do that, I have to spend uh, quite a bit of time in the Word and with the Lord and just making sure that my heart is bent towards worship. Because here's the thing. As a worship leader, my goal is to draw people into the presence of God. Well, I can't take anybody anywhere that I haven't been before. And so I have to know where to take people and how to draw them into the presence of God. And so uh, I have to know, uh, you know what, it, what it means to, to really dwell in His presence and what it means to, to uh, you know, uh, dwell on the on the magnificence of scripture and just the holiness of God and, and all of his attributes. So that way, when I stand before a crowd, I have been in his presence and I am willing and ready to take them there with me so that they can experience this uh, life-changing, life-giving magnificence that only God can bring. There's not a song I can sing that can change somebody's life. It's only the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so my job as a worship leader is to be a catalyst for that and then get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do his work. A great reminder of what guides us directly to worship and uh, a great reminder from somebody who is 
pastoral in nature and guiding our worship. So, Charles Billingsley, thank you so much for for being a part of our program to help us and guiding us into worship through, both through this conversation and through song. Well, thank you, Adam, and I appreciate the ministry of Song Time, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you folks up there in October in Lancaster. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter. It's got encouraging articles, and there is no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. Make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace, from Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless. <laughs>